0: What's up, Nature Nerds? Welcome to You're Gonna Die Out There. Hey, Megan. Hey, Jen. How's it going? Not bad. Well, I'm super excited about your story today.
1: Oh, man. I think it's going to be
0: good. It's definitely going to be
1: good. It's a little more uplifting, uh, yeah. can I say, than, than our our last our trilogy. Yeah, the trilogy was a bit of a downer, for sure. Yeah, but important. I mean, I, I got a message from a friend of mine, and she was like, oh, my God, listen to it. And I think she might be new to true crime. Right. Because she was like, "Oh my God, why do these guys keep getting let go?" It exactly. makes me so angry. And I was like, "Welcome in my mind, like welcome to the life of a true crime fan." Right, we're just constantly angry. Just constantly angry. At the injustice. Yes. Yeah. So we're already like hardened true crime listeners. Yeah. I'm like, girl, bring it in. Let's yeah. let's have a, a virtual hug.
0: Virtual <laughs> hug because because of the COVID.
1: Yeah, you
0: cannot be hugging people.
1: No, not no, yet. Not at all. We're getting
0: closer. We are. I feel like it's just around the corner.
1: Yeah, I see a ray of light. I'm hoping that all those folks who have been jobless for so long and like struggling. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Get some relief and we can get back on track to help.
0: Yeah. It's just been a heartbreaking year. And now sure. even more heartbreaking uh, in the news with the people in Texas that have no yes. power. So my mom, you know, she was living in Oklahoma and that similar thing happened. It wasn't as widespread, mm-hmm. but she, you know, the, there was ice on the power lines and the, her power went out for days and she didn't have a fireplace or anything. So she yeah. ended up going and staying with my sister, but her fish froze in her fish tank. It was so sad and oh, it was rough.
1: I actually heard a report on NPR. They're talking about a lot of families like getting sick, uh, carbon Mm -hmm. monoxide poisoning, because they're trying to do anything they can, putting barbecues inside their house to heat. Right. I Mm -hmm. mean, that it is a disaster. My cousin lives in Houston. Mm -hmm. I checked in with her. Luckily, they're like relatively okay. Mm -hmm. but still like power, water, all those things. Uh, We have a good Peace Corps friend who's also in Houston. Yes. I mean, I can't imagine. And we, you know, we definitely encourage you guys to take a look and see what you can donate to. And how you can help people out in Texas because they are hurting real bad right now.
0: Hopefully that gets sorted out for them real soon and they can warm up and be comfortable because especially I think about homeless people. I think about people with small kids. It's Mm -hmm. just, yeah, it's not a good situation at all. Also,
1: all all of the animals.
0: Always the animals, you know, because they're kind of the ones that get left behind. But I feel like most people, they're probably dragging all their animals, you know, with Mm -hmm. them to keep them warm and yeah, it's just a not good situation. So, yeah, I wish we could package all the heat where we are. Yes. Anyway, yes. let's talk about Peace Corps volunteers and how My amazing favorite people. they are. Because yes. so we did a thing. We did. We put a message out to return Peace Corps volunteers. But it can't. it doesn't have to be just return. It's like any Peace Corps, even if people serving now. Yeah. We want to know... Your crazy stories, because you've all got them. Oh, and so we put a message out, and boy, did they deliver!
1: <laughs> they delivered so hard, so Peace Corps. It was amazing. Um, I feel like what we actually did was we had like a bat signal, but it was like a Peace Corps bat signal. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was like the
1: with the stars <laughs> like
0: the symbol yeah, for yeah. Peace Corps.
1: We just put the it in the sky. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we're like, and they were like, we see it. It's like worldwide. <laughs> they all rose <laughs> out of their houses. Like, <laughs> oh
0: yes. That is what happened, basically. And they've been given the stories. They are hilarious. They're frightening. They're insane. And we cannot wait to share them. All the things. Yes. So what we're going to do is we're going to have maybe uh, some Peace Corps story hours or Peace Corps story like mini episodes. That sounds Where we're just reading their stories and you guys are going to freaking love it. It's coming soon. Coming to a podcast near you this one right here called <laughs> you're gonna die out there but you're not but you're not that's the point there might there might be some shit stories too there might be some definite poo stories oh so many definite like <laughs> encounters with yucky stuff like snakes and spiders and Bats all kinds and of yeah all the things so good it's gonna be great and yes. i've already like we were already laughing so hard at some of them so oh yeah so can't wait to share those. And thank you to all the volunteers and just keep it coming. Oh my God. And to everybody else, if, even if you are you weren't a Peace Corps volunteer, we know you've got some crazy stories from when you've been out like in the woods doing camping or you were traveling or mm-hmm. whatever you've been doing that you know you had some crazy shit happen.
1: Yeah, in your yard.
0: In your yard. Hey, <laughs> Mowing mow your grass. Something happened. Just send that our way. We'll love it. Yes. We'll have different episodes that will be like story time. So Megan. So, Jen, before you start your amazing story, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I'm thrilled to be listening (laughs) to, and I'm not the one telling the story, I'll just be interrupting you you nonstop. Take a break. Yeah, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. Yes. But I have a little nature human collision story that's in the news this week. And the reason it really like made my brain hurt is because it is about crocodiles which are one of my biggest fears crocodiles alligators
1: The whole I lot. i love crocodiles. i have Stop held it. baby Stop alligators it. i've like, held them
0: look i don't want any harm to go to them like i understand yeah. their mm-hmm. place in this world sure but i don't want their place in their this world to like clash with
1: directly cro-
0: clash yes with, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i yeah. don't want it to mix with my place in the world you know, so I choose not to live places where there are sure. crocodiles and alligators.
1: I have seen an albino crocodile. There's this zoo. I'm not like a huge fan of zoos, but there was a zoo that I went to in Louisiana and they mm-hmm. had an albino crocodile. It was the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. Oh, I
0: mean, I definitely respect yeah, 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 them. yeah, yeah. But listen, okay. you don't want to get eaten by one. <laughs> oh, my God. Which is what happened to a fisherman in Australia, just north of Queensland. He went out fishing. So he took a yacht and then he went out on a smaller dinghy Uh to do some fishing. He was missing. They couldn't find him. Mm -hmm. And then they found some parts of him.
1: Oh, no. And then
0: they caught a ginormous 14-foot crocodile that had human remains, which were his.
1: Well, now that croc has a taste of human.
0: So it doesn't say what they did with the (laughs) crocodile, but I'm kind of hoping they just kind of like... Let him go. It's his... That's what they do. Yeah.
1: Well, you can't blame him for that. But they
0: said they caught... They caught it yesterday, but they don't say what happened. But let me just say that there's been other attacks recently, like within the last couple of weeks. Listen to this guy. He uh, in late January, there was a guy in his 40s that was bitten on the head. Yes. While swimming at a lake at Lake Placid, which isn't there some creepy ass movie about Lake (gasps) Lake Placid? Placid.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it involves a giant crocodile at Lake Placid. Isn't that really? Is it a crocodile
0: movie or is it like? some other i swear it's
1: a giant crocodile movie okay i swear
0: okay it's not like (laughs) (laughs) piranhas. i don't know i just know of the movie but i haven't seen it right anyway so this guy listen the crocodile bit his head and he like pried the jaw off of his head with his hands yes because he's fucking australian and i think that's what they do i
1: mean they fight kangaroos down there
0: yeah I mean, so. I think they're just pretty much like outback badasses. Just crazy. They're like, you bit my head. Oh, and they just pull it like his It's because they,
1: they come from the their ancestors are penal colony people from... we <laughs> uh,
0: might be offending many Australians <laughs> right now, but... Or not. I mean, I feel like they're kind of
1: like badass people. Like well, they, they are badass people. They don't care. I mean, maybe they do care. I don't know.
0: I don't know. We'd have to ask our friend, Michelle. Oh, my God. Michelle, tell us. Michelle, tell us what's up. Because you're you're an awesome Australia, Australian. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, this guy completely he said it said that he survived with minor injuries. A crocodile bites you on the head. in
1: the head, and that's a minor injury. Yep. I love that he pried it open.
0: I would need like the jaws of life or so. I would just be dead. I would be <laughs> yeah. sands ahead
1: at that point. Right. Just yeah, that would be me headless. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking about with that guy with the body parts inside? Yes. I mean, I'm just gonna throw this out there. And I think this is how there was some kind of crocodile in, I think it was Africa,
0: mm-hmm. that
1: this happened. Oh my gosh, I'm probably telling some stupid like. You're just uh, making. Was this some tale. like? This is probably this some is like movie. a fever dream you had. Yeah, it was a fever dream. <laughs> um, and this guy was like murdering people, uh huh, and then throwing their bodies into the swamp. Oh yeah, the but crocodile just ate it. That happens
0: all the time. Yeah. Like, I think I just listened to a true crime story not long ago where that was what they suspected these people were doing with right. bodies or pigs. pigs oh, pigs are the other pigs. And, other body. Pigs. Uh, and why right? would they? You know, it's like they can't help it if they don't know. They're just hungry. They're just they just eat stuff. And people, the
1: other white meat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> That's so ooh, ooh, awkward.
1: <laughs> yeah, they
0: they're sweet. But yeah, but I'm sorry. Alligators and crocodiles respect you. Yeah. Just stay, yeah, yeah. stay over there.
1: Well, I mean, they're just so ancient.
0: So are sea turtles That's and turtles true. in general. And, and they're tortoises, just cute and sweet. And they're sweet and they don't eat you. So that is my uh, amazing human collision story for the week. Because this just happened this past week. Oh, man. Poor guy. That poor. I'm man. hoping that it there was like a situation where maybe he had like a heart attack and died. Mm-hmm. You know, I, not that I wish that for anybody, but sure. that he was dead. Dead. And then, you know, the crocodile just kind of took advantage of this free meal. Yeah, I would hope that that's the case, because to be murdered via being eaten by a crocodile seems like a horrific way to go. That's a
1: violent death. Yes, because they just grab you and spin spin you. you.
0: And yeah.
1: Yeah. Nope. But I will say that baby, baby alligators are extremely cute and they make the little chirpy sound. That's
0: okay. I'm good. Well, on that note...
1: Yes. Uh, do you want to start our story? I am ready. I can't wait. I will never do that voice again. Alrighty, Jen. Today, I am going to talk to you about one amazing female survivor. And nice. her name is Ada Blackjack.
0: Ada Blackjack? Stop. Have you ever heard of her? I have not, but I love her already.
1: Everyone should hear this story, honestly. After I finish the research for this, I was like,
0: don't worry, because everyone listens to our podcast.
1: Let's just start with the background of Ada. Okay. Um, She was born Ada Delatuk in 1898 in Spruce Creek, Alaska. Okay. So that's a remote settlement north of the Arctic Circle near the gold rush town of Nome.
0: Sweet. Is that where the gnomes come from?
1: (laughs) It is. That's where they come from.
0: I used to be kind of obsessed with gnomes when I was a kid.
1: Like little garden gnomes? Yeah. I had a it. book
0: about them. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So she was in Inupiat, which is like a section of Inuit.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay,
1: cool. Uh, but she was raised by Methodist missionaries. Oh, boy. Uh, they taught her English so she could study the Bible. And they instructed her in housekeeping, sweeping, and cooking the white people food. Oh, boy. So she's just up there making casseroles. Jen. She's a slave. Just cheese casseroles all day long. Good God. When she was 16, she pieced out. She moved to Nome. Okay. And she married a guy. And I swear to God, this is na- This is his name, Jen. Brilliant. This is it. Jack. Jack, we nimble. I wrote a note to myself. Don't laugh. You're failing. <laughs> don't write, don't
0: laugh. I think the fact that you wrote, don't laugh, makes you laugh.
1: God, let's try this again. All right. So when she was 16, she moved to Nome, Alaska, and she married Jack Blackjack. Jack Blackjack. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would I would probably date a guy named... <laughs> Megan is losing her shit right now. <laughs> she can't stand it. I mean, is his name a lot in this story? Because this is going
1: to take a while.
0: Well, Just this one time. At least we know how she got the last name Blackjack.
1: Yeah. Which is, honestly, her name is pretty sweet. Ada Blackjack. Ada Blackjack. That's a cool name. But... It is a
0: cool name, but...
1: This guy, he is, or was, sorry, a dog musher. So okay. that's like, you know, he...
0: That seems like Train a very dogs, Alaskan a thing. Very Alaskan. Yeah. I mean, thing. that's how they got around, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: She had three children with him. Unfortunately, two died Aww. before they were past infancy, and the one surviving child, Bennett, he had tuberculosis and a lot of bad health conditions. So he was kind of sickly.
0: Mm-hmm. Wait,
1: what did they call tuberculosis back then? Oh, you know, it was I didn't. Consumption. Consumption. He he had yes, consumption. That's right. Yeah. So there's three different accounts mm-hmm. about how her marriage ended. There's one that's like she divorced him. Done. One says he drowned. OK. OK. And the last one, which is the one I'm the most prone to believe, is that he deserted her on the Seward Peninsula in 1921. And then she had to walk 40 miles back to Nome with her child, her sick infant.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Oh, no, I think he was five years old at but that time. Still. But still. I and mean, she had to carry him all those things. Then she was basically living in poverty after that. Right. Like, no husband. She has this kid. I can only assume that she's super desperate at this point. And right. she ends up putting Bennett into an orphanage. And she tells him, like, listen, I'm going to go I'm gonna go out and make all this money so I can mm-hmm. come back and get you from the orphanage. We'll be cool. So I can take you to get care for your health conditions.
0: Because your dad, Jack Blackjack, is a dickhole. <laughs> He's a dickhole. Yeah. I mean... Come on. Got a wife and a sick child who just lost two other children. Yeah. Maybe she's better off without him or they're better
1: off without him. I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, if, if it were if the true version were that he drowned, I really feel like. Yeah. Yeah. He pieced out. He pieced out. During this time that Ada had to give Bennett up to the orphanage because she could not afford to take care of him and her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she heard about an expedition heading for Wrangell Island. And they were seeking mm-hmm. Alaska natives who were seamstresses and spoke English.
0: Oh, wow. So which is like,
1: yeah, she's like, check, check, check. Yeah. So let's learn a little bit about the nature with which she's about to collide.
0: Okay. <laughs> Wrang- what is it called?
1: <laughs> Wrangle. Wrangle Island. Yeah. Sounds like. It's either Wrangle or Rangel. I don't know. Okay. I apologize. I did not look up the pronunciation.
0: It sounds like a rascally island, though. Yeah. Like oh, a lot of things could happen there.
1: Oh, it's real rascally, Jen.
0: OK, bring it.
1: I don't know if people are interested in this. Maybe you're not. They are. Skip, I skip ahead like a minute. No, <laughs> listen. All right.
0: Do not skip ahead. OK.
1: Wrangell <clears throat> Island is 150 kilometers long from east to west and 80 kilometers or 50 miles wide from north to south. And it has a total area of 7,600 kilometers squared or 2,900 square miles. OK. I can't really in my head. I'm really bad with distances like that. Yeah, but I'm terrible. It's small. Okay. It's located in the Arctic Ocean, mm-hmm. of course, between the Chukchi and mm-hmm. Eastern Siberian Seas. There's a tiny and very rocky island nearby called Harold Island. It's about 60 kilometers or 37 miles to the east.
0: I feel like some explorer went there named Harold and was like, I deem this Harold Island. <laughs> the native people were like, yeah, f-
1: off. No we have our own name for that. No joke. Jen, I'm gonna give you the history. okay. Oh yeah. oh <laughs> oh yeah, no, this place is real important. okay. uh so fun fact. Yes. Wrangell Island is the last known place on earth where woolly mammoths survived around 400, 400, four hundred, four hundred, four thousand years ago, mm-hmm. not four hundred years ago. four thousand years ago. and it's the most recent survival of all known mammoth populations. Aww. And it was isolated from the mainland for like six thousand years. Mm -hmm. in the Ice Age. And I think there were about 500 to 1,000 mammoths that Mm -hmm. all lived on this island.
0: That is so cool. Think if that was still there. I know. Oh, my God. Little woolly mammoths walking around. Little baby woolly woolly mammoths.
1: So most of Wrangell Island and Herald Island, for that matter, they're federally protected nature sanctuaries administered by Russia's Ministry of Natural Resources and Environment. Well, I didn't even know Russia had one of those. So I am impressed. They really care about this place. So in 1976, and wait, let me just back up here for a second. Because this is really near Siberia and Russia, a lot of the names in the story are Russian. Good luck, my friend. Yeah. So I actually found a website. I was like, pronunciation help. (laughs) And I found this website where you can put in, it's crowdfunded, crowdsourced, whatever. You can put in any word Uh and then you can choose the language you think it is or all languages. And then it gives you options to choose from. So I'll try and remember the name of it. I go back and search it again. You got this. In 1976, it was classified as a Zapovejnik. Uh, That means a strict nature reserve in Russian. Okay. That was in when? 1976?
0: 1976.
1: Okay. Uh, So that's the highest level of protection, excluding all human activity except for scientific.
0: Really? Yeah. So what about people who are from there?
1: Okay. So we'll kind of get to that part. Okay. Yeah. The island has a weather station at a place called Blossom Point. And I'll be sure to put in a map because I have no idea where Blossom Point is. As of 2003, there were four rangers who reside on the island year-round, and then a core group of about 12 scientists who conduct research during the summer months. There is a small mountain range, Centralnye. It's T S E N T R A L Okina, or like apostrophe N Y E Centralnye. It came up as Russian. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, that's ancient Russian. <laughs> Probably. That used to be Chinese. <laughs> Probably <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's a, that's the mountain range name. And then okay. there's a northern coastal plain. It's about 25 kilometers or 16 miles wide. The highest elevation on the island is Gora Sovetskaya. Oh now that now there you there you go. <laughs> is Gora Sovetskaya with an elevation of 1,096 meters or 3,596 feet above sea level. Okay. Uh, so despite all the mountainous terrain. And the high latitude, it doesn't have any glaciers, Oh, which I guess is surprising. I didn't know that. But yeah. So kind of fun too. polar bears regularly breed here. Mm -hmm. And it is actually the area with the highest density of polar bears in the world.
0: They're so cute from a distance. Sure. Yeah.
1: Well, and hopefully they can still get there at this time. Anyway, let's not bring it down. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's keep it up. (laughs) Climate change. Seals, walrus, lemmings, and Arctic foxes also live and breed there. Arctic foxes are the cutest. They are. And the way they like pounce into the snow.
0: Yes. I'm pretty sure, you know, when you were a kid and you had those cute little animal posters. Yes. On your wall, I'm pretty sure I had an Arctic fox poster.
1: Oh, I love it. There's a lot of birds that visit in the summer. And then it's also a place to go see whales. So bowhead whales, gray whales, belugas, like very popular whale location. Nice. Whaling location, if you will, uh, back in the day. Okay, but, but now it would just be for viewing. We're not trying to right because it's abilities. part of the preserve, right? Correct. Okay, and it's and it's like um, I don't think I include this in here because it's really long, but they actually kept expanding the the nautical miles out past the right. land. Yeah, that's what you got to do. To just keep yeah making right. the preserve like bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay, I love it.
0: I love this too.
1: Yeah. So in the 50s, and you're not gonna like this. <laughs> In the 50s, domestic reindeer were introduced okay. as a way for the inhabitants at that time, I think, to earn an income. And they were managed to about a thousand individuals. They still are uh, to make sure they don't impact the birds that are nesting on the ground.
0: Oh, yeah. well, they the were like, birds. well, Santa's here. So we need we to, have to be here. We have to bring the reindeer. On. Yeah. Or there will be no Christmas. Uh, exactly. I mean, they had to do that, Megan.
1: A thousand reindeer, though? I mean, that's a lot. Well,
0: you know, just back up.
1: Maybe there's more than one Santa. Megan? This is a theory. Do not. Don't go there. Okay. All right. Musk ox were also introduced in 1975. Um, I know. Stop
0: introducing stuff.
1: I don't know why. I don't get it. Yeah. Just don't do it anymore. Yeah. But with about a thousand individuals, I think that's currently. Wolves lived there in historical times. And then in 2002, this is so random. It was just like one little line that was like, in 2002, they were spotted again. But then... They weren't spotted after 2002 or what's going on with the wolves. I don't know.
0: I don't know. But if they're supposed to be there, be there. Yeah, it's all good.
1: Uh, There are 417 species of plants, which is two times, I know, any other Arctic tundra environment has.
0: But do you feel like maybe just because this area has been studied more than some other areas?
1: I mean, it's really hard to get to. Okay. I think it's kind of special.
0: It is special.
1: And it actually has more than any other Arctic island as well. Okay. 417 species of plants. Okay. So because of that, Wrangell Island was proclaimed also the northernmost world heritage site in 2004. Okay. It's like, it's kind of this like gem a little bit. So I think this might be super obvious to most people, but Wrangell has a severe polar climate. It's cold as (laughs) f***ing. I
0: didn't. I didn't catch that till just are you, now. Did,
1: are you sure? Really? Yeah. No. Gold. I'm floored. Wrangell uh, is in such a place that it can be influenced by both the cold Arctic air and the warm Pacific air. So if we go back to our days learning about air weather, movement, air I was movement. really. I
0: really zoned out. Oh, sorry. Movements. Yeah.
1: Well, failed. They get these weird cyclonic winds. Okay. So not only is it cold, like it's also freeze in three seconds. Cold. Uber windy.
0: Oh, boy. Don't
1: like that. (laughs) It experiences a lot of, like, fog and mist. Ooh. So it's like visibility. Yeah. Winters are prolonged. Thanks, Wikipedia. (laughs) Wow. Lots of below freezing. And in February, March time, it's just, like, pretty much frequent constant snowstorms. It's
0: super freezing. You can't see shit. And the wind is blowing you all around. And there's just
1: polar bears everywhere.
0: I'm good. It's a little
1: dangerous. I don't...
0: I feel like I'm happy to know about it and not go there.
1: So the Paleo-Inuit, so like pre-Inuit peoples, okay, had camps on the southern side of this island for marine hunters. Right. But by the time the Europeans rolled around, there was no one, no aboriginal population there anymore. Because hmm. they probably were like, it's f- cold here. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to give an abridged version Mm -hmm. of all the colonizers coming through, trying to make claims on this piece of land. We're going to get
0: the cliff notes.
1: (laughs) The cliff notes. Thank you. So this land, this island, Mm -hmm. is between Siberia and Alaska. Okay. So in your brain. My brain is computing right now. It's like it's a long list. Everyone wants this piece of land. Oh. The earliest, quote, discovery uh huh. She's right. doing air quotes right now. By air the way, air quotes with my fingers. Was in 1764 by Cossack sergeant Stefan Andriev. Mm-hmm. He only saw the island just from his ship. He never got off and went to it. Uh-huh. He just saw it and he called. He ended up calling it Tikogen Island, Tikogen Land,
0: which means
1: I don't know. I looked it up and it's like there's no language that has that and he
0: never got off on the island he just saw it and he's like i'm claiming that yeah name
1: it yeah yeah yes people are just like arrogant pieces of shit jesus i know right i mean we still (laughs) are but that's the truth yeah uh so then this is the this is the best one then the island was actually named after Baron Ferdinand von Wrangel, who had read Andreev's report about seeing the island uh-huh. and heard stories of the island from the Chukchi, which are the indigenous people of Siberia. OK. Uh, they talk about the island. They have some stories about the island. It's yeah. kind of mythical to them. Yes. Uh, so he, so this guy, von Wrangel hears about it. He goes on an expedition from 1820 to 1824 to discover the island, but never does. OK. And then they named it after him. But he never found it. And he wasn't the first person there. Yeah. No, I had a moment of like,
0: why the fuck? He had a big
1: poofy hat with a feather. For sure.
0: And like thought he was the shit.
1: Yes. Yes. In 1849, British naval officer Henry Kellett, captain of the HMS Herald... Uh-huh. I knew <laughs> it.
0: I called that. What year is this? eighteen forty nine.
1: Eighteen forty okay eighteen twenty okay. to twenty four is when von Shitbag. Uh, yeah. Was when he went to uh wait, was
0: that the Baron? Yes.
1: Baron von Shitbag. <laughs> Baron Baron von Shitbag. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was eighteen twenty 1820 to 1824. He went and then eighteen forty nine is when this guy Henry Kellett, who is captain of the uh, HMS Herald, uh landed on and named you guessed it, Harold Island. Jesus.
0: Well, and this is not long before Ada was born, even like eight, mid 1800s. That's she right. Was born in the late 1800s. Yes. So yeah. These jackasses. And her people have been around forever. Forever. And they already have names for all the islands. And so they're, they're like, like, "Thank you.
1: It's already named. It's
0: already named. We're good. Just yeah, go back to
1: your your shitbag home." So this guy Henry Kellett, he thought he saw another island to the west, and mm-hmm. so the British called Wrangler Island. Kelet land <laughs> really? People, I know. Okay, so then, these are our ancestors. These are our ancestors. Shin. it's just so. these are the people who we're supposed to be proud of, and you just cannot be. We can't. No, we're just no. like, come on, guys. Like, don't stop being douchebags.
0: Really, stop naming. We're things. from a long
1: line of douchebags. <sighs> you well. know, sometimes it's yeah.
0: We have to make it better. We got to make this. Uh, We got to make better choices in our life and then going around. And Agreed. Naming islands after ourselves.
1: Agreed. So the next guy. These are all men, of course. Really? I know. I know. <laughs> I know it's so surprising. Ugh. Um, Edward Dahlman, a German whaler. So oh, we've, we've had. Now we got a whaler. Cossack. We've had Von Wrangel, who I. I'm not sure where he was from, actually. And then the British, and then this guy, this German whaler, said he had landed on the island in 1866, but apparently he didn't try to name it for Germany or anything. So there you okay. go. Okay.
0: Well, there. But he was a whaler, so.
1: No good. Um, and then this is the time when it gets real good, Jen. And in August 1867, here come the Americans. What what?
0: They're all like clunk 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 clunk.
1: That was my horn. That was really good. Thank you. All right. So Thomas Long, an American whaling captain, came close to to the island, quote, as near as 15 miles. Oh, wow. mm -hmm, And said, quote, I have named this northern land, Wrangell Land, as an appropriate tribute to the memory of a man who spent three consecutive years north of latitude 68 degrees and demonstrated the problem of this open polar sea 45 years ago, although others of much later date have endeavored to claim the merit of this discovery. Oh, Jesus. Talking about Von Chippack. Could you be more up that guy's ass? Seriously. I'm sure that these people have been, like, heralded. Oh, this is funny. Herald, you know, like, Uh. in history. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, come on. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, here we are with early Americans. Mm -hmm. They're not too far removed from the British. I mean, it's just the same line of, you know, jackasses.
1: Exactly. So another American, George W. DeLong, commanding the USS Jeanette, Mm -hmm. led an expedition in 1879, trying to get to the North Pole and planned to sail by the east side of Land, But his ship got locked in the polar ice pack, drifted westward, Mm -hmm. passing within sight of Wrangell Island, or Land. Uh, before being crushed and sunk in the vicinity of the New Siberian Islands.
0: That would be a cold way to go.
1: August of 1881, the USRC, so it's the U.S. Revenue Cutter Service ship Corwin, landed on the island and claimed it for the United States, naming it New Columbia. Uh, And a side note, the U.S. Revenue Cutter Service was disbanded in 1915, but it was like rolled into what's now the Coast Guard.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have all the
1: all the things ships. Yes.
0: So in the uh, meantime, all the locals are just watching this happen and they're just like, well, there's flags, another one. Flags on flags there's, on flags and names on names on names. And, names. and they're like, one. okay, they're like, no, they're like, oh, right, whatever. Like, we
1: just call that the place where you hunt these whales. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. All right. Uh, and actually that expedition, this one was sent to go look for the USS Jeanette.
0: Oh, it yeah. was like a what is that? Like a rescue recovery.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, and also another side note is that John Muir, the the like famous naturalist. Oh, yeah. He was on that ship.
0: Oh my god. And he
1: is the first person to ever have like a recorded, like he wrote down a description of the island. So all these people uh-huh. have seen the island, right. but never written about it. They're just naming it. Yeah. And putting their well,
0: finally they had somebody flags. who actually cares about. Nature yeah,
1: so yeah, all right, so that same year, eighteen eighty one later on in August, the USS Rogers, commanded by Lieutenant R M. Barry, actually landed on Wrangell Island. Wow I think he might be kind of the first that landed there. Mm-hmm. They stayed two weeks and conducted surveys, but I don't know what kind of surveys they were so and they also were sent out to find the USS Jeanette and didn't
0: did anybody find it?
1: I didn't read where they did right. Luckily, they didn't like, you know, put any flags up. Right. But there was already an American flag because now it's called New Columbia.
0: There were probably a lot of flags just everywhere. Yeah.
1: Russia's over there getting real pissed off. Just FYI. By the way, (laughs) we're watching you. Then in 1911, the Russian Arctic Ocean Hydrographic Expedition, being kind of badasses, used icebreaker ships. Have you ever seen those?
0: I thought that's what cutters were.
1: Oh, yeah. They might, yeah. Because they they cut through the ice. Right, Right, right. So these, I guess these are like the Russian cutters, but they're Russian icebreaker ships.
0: Okay. They just Um, have like a different name for them. But I think it it does the same thing, right? Yeah. I've heard it's crazy too. I've talked to people in the Coast Guard that go on those and it's just like a constant noise of like, (sighs) like going through. I could never be in any branch of the military well probably never anyway but i could never be in one that you're on a ship all the time
1: it would be i, I like,
0: would be seasick all the time well and
1: i think it would be like exponentially crazier island fever
0: yeah and especially back then oh good god but even now people who are on
1: ships like respect
0: because mm-hmm. i couldn't do
1: it have you ever seen like the navy barracks on ships it's like they have 12 inches or something oh my god that's what they sleep in. I can't remember the exact measurement, but it's like they have three on each side, three bunks, and it's like real tight.
0: Yeah. My, my grandpa was in the Navy, World War II. Yeah.
1: They have these two icebreakers, Vagich and Tamir, and those were captained by uh, Boris Vilkitsky, and they landed on the island. Okay. It doesn't say anything about what they did, if they put any flags or named it. In 1916, the Tsarist government declared that the island belonged to the Russian Empire. Damn it. they're like, oh, by the way, BT dubs, all you guys can suck it. This is ours. Right. Yeah. Which I'm almost inclined just because the Chukchi are the Siberian natives. Right. Like I almost feel like, yeah, there are people probably inhabited it first. Right. There are many more struggles following this story about Wrangell Island. But if you want to read more, the Wikipedia page is like super detailed. I mean, there's a lot. (laughs) Just this was a lot anyway it just keeps going on and on there's a
0: lot of history there
1: there's a lot of history Look, we're not a
0: history podcast no. megan so we gotta like you I, know
1: i struggle real hard with history do you uh, well because i have a hard time visualizing dates in my head
0: oh i kind of i like history no. i'm enjoying this but
1: oh good i'm glad i am no <laughs> i'm reading it and i'm like oh these poor people okay no it's good uh, so that brings us to the beginning of the Stefanson expeditions. Stefanson, do you say? Steffensen, yes. Oh, Steph- well, Steffenson Steph-
0: Stefanson, you say? So. Sounds oddly familiar. familiar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So if you can't tell from the attempts of people trying to get to this island or just seeing it from a distance, due to the Arctic climate, it's real freaking hard. Like ships are constantly getting ice locked, crushed, they sink, or they just can't get there. So right. this is a harsh environment. Um, and yeah, you guys probably remember Stefans and
0: uh, I don't.
1: I don't know if they do. Let me remind just remind Let me just remind you. Uh, wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. Was he dashing?
1: He was real dashing, Jen.
0: Did he? Did he have a? Did he have like a, a tiny mustache? Did he have a tiny little pointy mustache? <laughs> and a scarf? Did he have a scarf that constantly blew in the wind? <laughs> yes,
1: that's him. Oh, my God. Uh, So, yeah, he was Mary Cynthia Dickerson's love interest. If you remember, MCD. I'm just going to call her MCD from now on. (laughs) Uh, He was the asshole that broke her heart. Yes. Yes. And and probably contributed to her craziness. It was the scarf. Her mental breakdown. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a little bit more about this guy. Wait,
0: Megan, can you find a picture of this guy? I
1: have a picture of him. No. Yes.
0: Is he what we think he is? No, not at all. Oh, God. I don't want to see it.
1: <laughs> I don't want to tell you about it. Dad. <laughs> Just find another gonna... <laughs> picture that looks like what I think he looks like. I'll draw the mustache and the scarf on. <laughs> It'll be fine. I'll give him like another five feet because this dude looks short to me. Really? Yeah. Ooh. I thought for sure he was going to be like, yeah, super dashing. and But I mean, no, he me. doesn't. He doesn't give me that vibe. OK, so Vihamur Stephenson was born in Manitoba, Canada. And he is of Icelandic ethnicity. So I probably jacked Ooh. up his name real hard. Like, that's OK. That's hard. OK. So he got his education in, at North Dakota and Iowa universities. And in 1903, he oh, wow. earned his A.B. If oh, you, yeah. Oh, if yeah. You oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you remember from the our, AB. our Dr. Schmidt story, that's the fancy pants way to say Bachelor of Arts. Nice. So he studied anthropology at the Graduate School of Harvard University, where he also taught classes for two years. I know I'm trying to make Harvard sound bougie. It's, I mean, lots of smart, great but people He go was there, a, But he was
0: a smarty pants. He was a smarty
1: pants. So, smarty poofy pants. Smarty poofy pants. <laughs> <laughs> then
0: he went from 1908 to
1: 1912. He went and did some work at the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. What? Where he met our girl, MCD. She was just... Freaking doing her thing. She was just doing her thing. Researching
0: he, the hell out of the, some frogs.
1: Yeah. And he walked and in he there. He ruined it. He probably walked in there with some like lifts and issues. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Clackety clacking down the hall. He maybe had a mustache at that point. Maybe. And the scarf. We I don't know.
1: Girl, I get it with the facial hair. Yeah. He was working on ethno, ethnological surveys of the central Arctic coasts and the shores of North America. So, also in 1908, he hired the Inuk guide Netkusiak. Who is this guy who will stay with him for a very long time, basically on okay. all of his Alaska expeditions? All right. Um, and then that same year, 1908, he joined the Explorers Club and served as president twice. Uh, this was an all male club,
0: oh, of, of course. course.
1: And there are some notes about he want how he wanted to have a woman's role of honor. Um, which would be comparable to the men's role of honor. It's kind of like a, an award, essentially. Mm. But it wouldn't be, and they make like a distinction that it wouldn't be as prestigious as the men's because, you know, women.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you. But Thank then you so much. but
1: then it also says that he supported women in anthropology. So he's a little bit of a conundrum to me. Oh, he mansplained. Oh, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, some kind of interesting facts about him. Just, I mean, I don't want to talk about them too long, but they're kind of interesting. No, let's hear it. <laughs> he lived in New York City and he frequented Romany Marie's Greenwich Village Cafes. Okay. I, I don't know exactly what that is, but it's basically like a cool, hip place to hang out yeah. in the 20s. And there was some st- substantiated gossip that he was having an affair with the very forward-thinking Fanny Hurst. So she was an author. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: and she was married at the time. But huh. it was like this weird marriage. I was reading about it. They had separate residences and... She was just like every five years they would renew their marriage contract. Huh. It was yeah, it's really strange. Like
0: a contract. And she
1: basically was like, women should be independent and they don't need a man. So interesting that this is the guy that she's, you know, seeing. But then But he's a ladies' man, obviously. He's a ladies because at that same time he was checking out MCD on the side. See? Player. 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 All right. So then later on in 1940, he meets and marries Evelyn Schwartz Baird. Okay. Uh, Ronald Admondson, who I feel like I read that name earlier, but I didn't look up who he was. He was also, I think, an explorer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He said, quote, that Stefanson, mm-hmm. Stefanson, mm, was the greatest humbug alive, referring.
0: <laughs> I love when people used to use words like humbug, humbug and they really were like, you yeah. scoundrel. You scoundrel. It was still like, yeah. it was a strong
1: word. Yeah. So he's like, he's the greatest humbug alive. And this is in reference to Stephenson's mismanagement of the Wrangell Island fiascos. So you might see where we're going.
0: Fiascos.
1: Fiascos.
0: Okay, let's hear like about
1: him. Like multiple.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. And Ada was there.
1: And Ada was at one of them. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <ugh>. <laughs> Kind of random, but I decided worthy to mention on May 28th, 1986, what? the United States Postal Service issued a 22 cent stamp in his honor. Weird. I know. Maybe they just did like Explorers of the U.S. or something. Yeah. Or, or of the world. U.S. Explorers, except he was Canadian. Whatever. They
0: didn't do one for Dickerson, did they?
1: <sighs> no, they didn't. We should get one made for her.
0: We should. Do people still use stamps.
1: I use, I have their right over there. Oh. I have so many stamps. I
0: don't know. I just take stuff to the post office and I'm like, mail it, please.
1: Oh, um. Also, he was super into that low carb, practically just all meat, because he actually did for a while live with the Inuit community. Oh, okay. Which I can kind of respect. He didn't just like roll up in there all the. I mean, he was kind of an arrogant asshole. But he was mansplaining to them. But they sure. were like, we. They were I, like, just eat this they just blubber. Tuned him out so yeah those are those are the things about him i don't want to give him too much more time really quick he did organize an arctic expedition in 1914 and the main ship that he was on the Carlook, ended up getting ice locked then crushed and actually right before that happened stephenson actually left the ship and was like i'm gonna go with these other guys to get food like go hunting yeah but most of the other folks who were on this trip were like That guy knew what was going to happen to that ship and peaced out. Wow. And he was leading. Yeah, he was leading that expedition. Like if you're essentially the captain of all the things, you're the program manager.
0: And you literally jump ship. Yeah. Because you know bad stuff's about to happen. Wow.
1: Kind of a dick move. That is. The guys who were on that ship went and stayed on Wrangler Island and eight or nine of them died because they were stranded there for six months and he was not with them.
0: And they froze.
1: And they froze. And that's fiasco number one. Not cool. Yeah. So after that, uh, Stephenson really wanted to still lead another expedition or at least organize one. So in 1921, he was like, listen, he went to the Canadian government. He's like, listen, the Japanese totally want to try and take that land. He's like,
0: listen, I think you've heard of me. (laughs) I'm kind of a big deal.
1: He like flipped his hair back. <laughs> he was like, "Those Japanese down there, they're like eyeing this piece of land, and they really want it. So we got to get up there and claim it for Canada." Eh?
0: Wait, was that even true? N- no, I don't think the Japanese would give two shits about.
1: The Japanese were like, "We're we're here.
0: We're we're good.
1: We're good. We're just being Japanese people." Yeah, like, like no. we don't
0: want that. Island. That's
1: cold as fuck. So ha- Canada was like, "Bro, you messed up in 1914, so we're gonna pass." Hard pass. Hard pass. Thanks. Uh, then he hit up Britain and they oh. were they were like, uh, no.
0: Oh, I thought they'd be all over it.
1: Right. You would like think, to like go and claim
0: places. I don't
1: know exactly what happened. But previously, someone raised a British flag on the island. Uh-huh. Russia lost their shit. Oh, they were so- like not having it. And it caused some kind of international incident Oops. that he might have been involved in. I'm not too sure. <laughs> so the British were like,
0: nope. They're like, we're good. We're over that. We don't go around and put our flags up in places anymore. Right. Yeah, we did that.
1: (laughs) We did that already. We're good for now. Yeah. Preach. All right. Anywho, he ended up handpicking four men he wanted to have colonize Wrangell Island. And he kind of had plans to form this exploration company that would take people on tours of the Arctic. Oh, like eco tours. Like eco tours. Okay. But in 1921. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, When you could just die of starvation. Yes. Because no helicopters.
0: Right. Imagine trying to sell that trip.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So the four young men all had backgrounds in geology or science. Uh, They are 28-year-olds Frederick Maurer and E. Lorne Knight and 20-year-old Milton Gale. And those guys are from the U.S. Okay, And then there's Alan Crawford, who's also 20, of Canada. And they were not ready for what was about to happen to them. Oh, God. Stephenson included a Canadian because in the end, he was really hoping to make, essentially like force Canada into claiming the land because a Canadian was there. Mm. Even though he had gone to America and he was trying to claim it for America. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) America. America. So
0: wait a second. So Mm -hmm. I thought that the Russians were like, y'all can fuck off because this is our place. Right. So why are they? Why do they keep trying to go and claim it? In
1: 1916. In
0: 1916. So this is before that?
1: This is after, because 1921 is when this expedition is going to go. He wants to colonize it. I think his plan was to put people on that land and be like, you guys might have put a flag here, but we put people here.
0: OK, Like he's
1: being it's another dick. He's, move.
0: he's really something. He's something. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's one article that was like, oh, he was really doing it for Britain this whole time. But Britain already said no. So I don't know where that article is going. OK, but uh, there was this book written by uh, Alexandria J. McClanahan or I'm sorry, article. And it's called The Heroine of Wrangell Island. And I'll have a link for it. And she says, the expedition organized by the charismatic Arctic explorer V. Hamor was at best an ill-conceived venture. At worst, it was a willfully negligent act of astonishing hubris. Wow. He was a dick. Yeah. Here we are, 1921. This is where Ada comes in. Okay. My God, so much history. If you remember way back in the beginning of my story, Ada was living in poverty Because of Jack Blackjack? (laughs) Because of Jack Blackjack. (laughs) She had put her son in an orphanage and she was desperate to earn money. Right. So she starts hearing about this expedition and there were like a bunch of Inuit who were supposed to go and help set up the camp. And like the men were going to hunt and the women were going to make the food. And so and if they could speak English, that was like a huge plus. Right. Right. Like we were talking about before, she was probably like, okay. Safety in Numbers. Uh-huh. I was raised by those missionaries. I freaking know English. I can cook. I can sew. That's easy money. Right. She's 23 at this time. Wow. She's yeah. So young. So young. In 1925, Stephenson had written a book about this adventure. It's actually called The Adventure on Wrangell Island. And I'm like, adventure, fiasco. Uh, And note, I'm going to replace the actual quote with the correct name for indigenous peoples in the Arctic, Inuit, instead of the derogatory term that he used, which at the time, to be fair, wasn't derogatory necessarily. Mm -hmm. Or it was, but he didn't know. I don't know. Mm. So he says the Wrangell party tried to engage at Nome some Inuit families. But when the time came to sail, there arrived at the boat landing only one Inuit woman, Ada Blackjack, who had been expecting to go along as a member of one of the families engaged. When she found that the others had broken their bargain, she also wanted to withdraw, but was prevailed upon to go by the assurance that the Silver Wave, that's their boat, would call in at some Inuit settlement between Nome and Wrangell to hire families in which Ada could then take her place. With that program, they sailed September 9th, 1921. Okay. Basically, it was like, you know, she showed up. She's the only one. She's like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. I'm not going to be the only one. Yeah, exactly. 23-year-old, like, young woman Mm -hmm. with a bunch of 20-year-old dudes, white white dudes. Yes. Like, no. Yeah. Uh, And then they're like, no, 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 don't worry. We're going to pick up some other families along the way. Mm, We got it. Oh. Big fat f***ing lie. Oh, no. Yeah. So the Silver Wave, their ship, gets to Wrangell Island on September 16th. Just her and those four dudes. Then in Stephenson's book, he writes that Ada says, when we got to Wrangell Island, the land looked very large to me, but they said that it was only a small island. I thought at first that I would turn back, but I decided it wouldn't be fair to the boys. Soon after we arrived, I started to sew. I'm like, did she say that?
0: Oh, he says. He says says that that she
1: said that. And I'm like, that sounds like as soon as we got there, I made them all a sandwich. Right. Anyway. Mm. So here comes the shit, Jen. They brought six months of supplies and rations. But guess how long Stevenson planned for them to stay? A year. Two years, Jen. Two years.
0: Two years.
1: With so, six months
0: worth of supplies. Yep. He's a he's a real he's a planner.
1: <sighs> yeah. So they initially, I guess he was initially thinking, we're going to set up camp, live off the land. So no need for all these rations.
0: Oh. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. And actually, he had told Ada it was for one year and that she would get paid $50 a month, which is a lot of money in 1921. Right. Especially for a single mother of a child that she put up into an orphanage. That was like, cha-ching. Yes. I'm going to get that kid out. And Uh this is the only reason why she's doing this is for her son.
0: Right, she's like, I'm gonna go make all this
1: money. I'm mm-hmm. gonna come back. I'm gonna get him, and we're gonna go have a life. We're gonna go have a life.
0: We're right. gonna get
1: him treatments. Yes, I mean, okay. So first they had tents, but eventually they built a snow house. That so, sounds horrific. Yeah. I don't
0: want a snow house.
1: No, <laughs> that, I mean, I heard that they're warm, that like an igloo. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I guess. I I didn't. I have a picture of their encampment. Their like, right area. Is it made of ice? It, to me, it looks like tin and stuff, but I don't know. I have to go back and look at the photo. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll share it and then you guys can talk about it. Okay. Online. <laughs> uh, in the springtime, they killed in excess of 30 seals, 10 polar bears, some geese and ducks. Mm-hmm. They were hunting up a storm and it seemed all good. Like, yeah, we can do this. But just remember, this is spring.
0: How many of them are there? Just him and the four guys?
1: Well, Stephenson didn't stay he dropped them off so yes yes yeah
0: i thought he was gonna be there for two years
1: no he told these dudes here i'm gonna put you on this island i want you to colonize it we need a seamstress and a cook wow hey ada (laughs) come and do this shit he pieced out with the boat he was like deuces yeah. I'm going to go back to my warm cabin. All right. She's like Bye. <laughs> so it seemed originally initially, it seemed really good. They're getting all this meat. They're kind of able to sustain themselves. Right. And she's with a
0: bunch of like a couple of Americans, 28
1: year old, two, three Americans, one Canadian, two of them are 28, two of them are 20. Right. And her. No, I would feel super, super uncomfortable.
0: Uh, 100 percent. And I mean, our are- they're not like from there that they know how no, to live.
1: they do not know. They are scientists, Jen. They are geologists oh, and scientists. Shit. They don't know shit. Yeah. Very ill, Ill prepared. They were not set to and be on the show alone. On top of it, I'll probably say it again later. She was raised by Methodist missionaries. She doesn't know shit. Oh, because she wasn't raised in an Inuit family. Right. So, yeah, seemed OK in spring. Because Mm -hmm. it's spring, even though in spring, it's still like there's snow and shit. There's ice. All right. During the summer, E. Knight, one of the 28 year olds, Mm -hmm. he goes off to do some exploring because he's a scientist. And science. yeah. And he swims across the Skeleton River.
0: That, wait, that sounds kind of reminiscent of my last stories. Yes. Like when things have a name like that, you should probably like just
1: avoid it. Why? Yeah. Also, you're in the Arctic. Why would you swim in the water in the Arctic. Uh, no, thank you.
0: And there's a reason it's called Skeleton River.
1: Do you have a dry suit? Probably not. No. So, and it said that after this, he was sick a lot. Like really? He, he got real Yeah, I know, right? Hmm. And there's like, there's one article that says it was undiagnosed scurvy.
0: He got the (laughs) scurve.
1: He got the scurve. Can you see some lemons? Yeah. Citrus up in there. Go get a. I'm sure that they have orange trees there, right? (laughs) They don't mind the frost. All right. There was a boat that Stephenson had told them was going to come during the summer. It's going to bring more supplies for them, but it got stuck in ice and couldn't get there. Oh, shit. So they make it through the summer and into the fall, but by late fall, it's looking real bad.
0: Yeah, this is like, a recipe for disaster. Yes.
1: They don't have any food. Well, I mean, they have rations. They have very minimal food. They're not right. doing well.
0: And one guy's got the scurvy.
1: <laughs> one guys one guy's got the scurvy. Oh, shit. So Knight, scurvy man. Mm-hmm. And Crawford take the dogs, because they also had dogs in like a sled. Oh. Yeah. Uh, they take the dogs and they head south to okay. Siberia. To, you remember, the Chukchi. Okay. Yeah, our south. Okay. In Siberia. So they're like, we're going to go to Siberia to get some help. Yeah. But because Knight was so sick, Mm -hmm. they had to turn around and come back.
0: Oh. Why didn't they, like, take two of the healthy guys and go? Right. And the scurvy guy back?
1: I think Knight was the unofficial. I can't remember if Crawford or Knight was the unofficial, like, leader leader of the group. Crawford comes back with Knight. It's like, drops him off with Ada. Like, dude, watch this guy. We got to go. So and on January 28th, he, Maurer and Gail, all, all three of them, peace out. They're like, we're going to Siberia. We're going to get help.
0: And just leave her with scurvy.
1: And just just leave her with scurvy. Scurvy guy. <laughs> scurvy guy. She's like, great. Yeah. And Ada writes later. She writes this. They she pro- really wrote this. She really said this. Oh, yeah, okay. She really wrote this. Uh, they promised that they would come back after they got to Nome, which in my brain, Nome is in Alaska. So like, did they tell her they're going to Nome? Because in the references, it said they were going to Siberia. Oh. Yeah. So I don't know what they told her, but this is what she said. They promised that they would come back after they got to Nome with a ship. And if they couldn't get there with a ship, they would come over with a dog team next winter. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) They left with a team of five dogs and a big sled of supplies. And left them what? Not a lot. Oh. And Jen, they were never seen again, period. Close oh, the book on those guys. Wow. Yeah. They never just, seen they again. They didn't
0: surface anywhere.
1: Mm-mm. Yeah. So probably they died. Uh-huh. Poor uh, dogs. Or they made it to Siberia and they were like, we're never going back. But probably they died. Yeah. So there's Ada having little to no skills because she was raised by missionaries. She's having to take care of Knight, who is sickly and weak from his swim in the Skeleton River. hmm And by February, he was bedridden. Like, dude could not even get out of bed. Oh, God. She did everything she could to take care of him. She would keep warm sand at his feet. She freaking darned, like, made these pillows out of the oatmeal sacks and, like, stuffed them with cotton and put them underneath him to ease all the bed sores.
0: Oh. Yes. Wow.
1: Yeah. And in one account, it seems like Knight was enraged at his condition and took it out on Ada. What? So he's a real dick. Come on, guy. R.I.P., but come on. So the Los Angeles Times in 1924 said, Ada was a woodsman too. The dying man projected the rage he felt over his helplessness onto her, criticizing her constantly for not taking better care of him. Blackjack did not outwardly allow his blows to land, but confided in her diary, quote, he never stop and think how much it's hard for women to take for man's place to woodwork and to hunt for something to eat for him and to do waiting to his bed and take literally shed but like shit take his shit out for him wow and i'm like man that's a that's that's a lot i'd be like
0: let me just let me just try one of these nice pillows over your (laughs) face face.
1: (laughs) like just rest just rest just rest close your eyes yeah so there they are through winter and spring comes around and he dies okay well saw that coming yeah we knew it was gonna happen no shocker there no so when night passed away ada used gall's typewriter to write the day of Mr. Knight's death. He died on June 23rd. I don't know what time he died, though anyway, I write the day just to let Mr. Stephenson know what month he died and what day of the month. Written by Mrs. Ada B. Jack. Wow. Yeah. She's like, documented. So Ada was not physically strong enough to bury him because they're in the freaking tundra.
0: It's ice.
1: Perma ice. Yeah. Like you cannot.
0: I'm picturing Kermitra. like the shining, like the end of the shining where Jack Nicholson is frozen. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I'm picturing. I just I would, just, feel, I would just like position him in some crazy <laughs> position <laughs> and he would just freeze that way. Yeah. Something
1: <laughs> wildly entertaining. <Essentially>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or fashion him to be able to hold
1: some logs or something, <laughs> something useful. Something useful. Yes, yes. So she did the best she could. She left him resting on his bed. Inside of his sleeping bag and built up boxes around him so the animals, the wild animals wouldn't get to him. Oh. So kind of nice.
0: That is nice.
1: Yeah. So Jennifer Niven wrote in her Ada Blackjack biography that she, quote, moved into the storage tent to escape the smell of decay. She drove driftwood into the ground to bolster the tattered walls and ceiling of the tent. So probably the snow house was warmer But she was like, she's like, that's all. She can't move him. He's too heavy. That's grossy. And it's like she's already suffering from probably near starvation. Yeah. And she cannot physically do that. Ada is alone for three months. But actually, fun story. Really? She's not alone. There's a cat on the expedition. What? I, know. I
0: this is why you chose this story. It is
1: 100% why I did. Wow. The cat's name is Vic, short for Victoria, so it's a female cat. Oh. I'm imagining that it's a calico.
0: Oh, cuz don't you love calicos? I do, yeah. and they're always females by the way.
1: And I'm just going to like, you know, spoiler alert, Vic lives.
0: You, yeah, you couldn't I can't like, not like tell I drag those
1: out. Yeah, I in can't the <laughs> last episodes, but you <laughs> couldn't do it. No. I would be crying just telling you about I it. I know.
0: So. I know. That's so that's yeah.
1: Yeah. Vic makes it. It's uh, a warm fuzzy right there. It is. And now Ada's only companion is this cat, Vic. Well, that's all you need. I know. I talk to my cats all the time. I know. And I'm not alone. So I'm sure she had a lot of good conversations with Vic. Uh, so during that time that she was taking care of night, mm-hmm. they had to eat. So she had to figure out how to shoot and trap and do all the things they needed to do to, to survive because she had to get back to her son. Yes. And so while she's essentially self-teaching survival, she also has to contend with polar bears.
0: I'm sure they were trying to go after that scurvy guy.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I and, would have just
0: been like, take him. <laughs>
1: just, just, just go. And, I, 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 and then she could be like, I don't know what happened to him. So, yeah, once when she was hunting seals, she barely escaped from a mother bear and a cub.
0: <gasps> yeah. And there's scary. An,
1: Yeah, it's not like a, I I couldn't find where they gave like the full account of the story, but this is the part that, you know, that I got. Uh, So she says, finally, I realized it was a polar bear and I was 400 yards from my tent. I turned and ran just as hard as I could until I got to my tent. I was just about ready to faint when I got there too. Oh my God. So she gets super good at setting traps with lures, uh, like those lure traps for uh, the foxes and shooting birds. And she builds a platform above her shelter to spot polar bears in the distance.
0: Wow. Because safety. Yes.
1: And super cool. She makes a boat Ooh. from driftwood and stretched canvas because she made her own. I mean, everything she caught, she made high like jackets, whatever out of. Right. Like she was doing the shit like something innate clicked in her. Uh-huh. And she was like, this is how it's happening. She even takes this is the best. She even takes a couple selfies outside of the camp with the expedition's camera equipment
0: no way yes and i love that i, I have a couple of pictures that
1: yes please yeah. have pictures <laughs> she's like sets up the camera she's like what's up
0: that would be awesome if she was holding um vic right and one of them me and my cat
1: then on august 20th 1923 two years after arriving holy shit a schooner rescues her although at this point she's kind of thriving. So who sent, who sent that? I wonder. So I think when they couldn't get that supply ship out, uh-huh. they're like, oh, those guys really need something. I'm sure that Stephenson at some on some level, like was trying to send something out. You would think he was the one who came up. This was his I think brain he child. just wants
0: to know if they're still alive or well, what's yeah. happening. Yeah. Right.
1: But yeah, like I said, she was she was like thriving. She was doing real well. Yeah. Because just her and the cat. Yes. She, got, she doesn't have to deal with any other bullshit.
0: No more. Jack
1: Blackjack. <laughs> and so they actually, they called her the female Robinson Crusoe. Oh. Yeah. So the crew noted Blackjack mastered her environment so far that it seems likely she could have lived there for another year, although the isolation would have been a dreadful experience. Nah. But it's like she's got Vic. She's got Vic. Don't worry about it. Um, she gets back to civilization and the press is like all over the story. Right. Right. There's There's some mixed reviews. Some people are like super into her, praising her. Oh, she did such a great job. She like survived, freaking mm-hmm. survival story. Look at this woman. And then some jack faces, I can't think of a better, just jackasses, horrible mm-hmm. people, chastised her for not saving night. Oh like doing more to save him. Come on. I know. But Knight's parents eventually vindicated her because they met her. They met a meeting with her Mm -hmm. and they talked about everything and they issued a statement that Ada had done everything possible to save their son's life so everyone else can just (laughs) kick off. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like she could have like fed him to the polar bears. She
1: could. Yeah. As soon as he was bedridden, she could have just rolled him right on out into the snow. And like, I don't know, he died of exposure.
0: Yep. Yeah. She's a
1: saint for taking care of that guy. For real. So it is not like super into the limelight. No, she's she's a humble lady. Right. She's just trying to get back to her son. But then to have all that media press, press and, and people around her and asking her yeah. questions, it was probably
0: pretty overwhelming. And it
1: was the 20s. So they were like, Ada, do you have a <laughs> quote for us for our newspaper? So she just wants her money. She just wants her money so she mm-hmm. can go get her son. So she gets the salary and there are some conflicting stories about how much it was. Remember he off- he promised her $50 a month.
0: Yeah. She's like pay up.
1: She's like what's up play uh, So I don't know if it's the full amount. I get a feeling that it was not the full amount. Probably
0: because that guy's a jackass.
1: Right. But she also sells all the furs that she oh. trapped while she was on wrangle which gives her some money and she's able um, to get her son. But that's so good. You know, Stephenson and some other people wrote books at that time and she was in them and she didn't get a damn cent. Of course. From any of that. Yeah. And it's her survival story. Right. I mean, he didn't even give her like hazard pay. You know what I mean? Just nothing. She gets Bennett. She takes him to Seattle to help with his treatments for TB because there's a like, clinic there or something. Yeah. That could help him or consumption. Yeah, Whatever it was called, the consumption. Yeah. Um, they eventually move back to Alaska. She gets married and has another son, Billy Johnson. That's the guy, I don't know the other guy's name, just last name Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, she divorces that guy anyway and takes the boys to Nome, where she takes care of Bennett until he passes away from a stroke in 1972 at the age of 58.
0: Wow. So, how old? Well, she would have been
1: what did I say, in 18, her 70s. 18, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so she basically basically took care of her son his whole life because yes. he was sickly.
1: And she had this like two year stint on an island. Oh, my God. Where she survived.
0: That's insane.
1: And had to fight polar bears.
0: In the 1920s.
1: With a bunch of white dudes Ugh. who all died. Um, sadly, about a decade later, she passed away at the age of 85. She was in a nursing home in Palmer, Alaska. And when she was buried, they buried her next to Bennett. And her son, Billy, had a plaque mounted on her grave. And all it says is the heroine of Wrangell Island.
0: Oh, that just gave me goosebumps. I know, I love I lo- it.
1: Oh. So Billy has this quote, and I, I really love this quote. It makes me so happy. Um, he says, I consider my mother, Ada Blackjack, to be one of the most loving mothers in this world and one of the greatest heroines of the history of Arctic exploration. She survived against all odds. It's a wonderful story that should not be lost of her self-discovery and cultural reawakening. And it's a story of a mother fighting to survive to live so she could carry on with her son Bennett and help him fight the illness that was consuming him. She succeeded and I was born later. Her story of survival in the Arctic will be a great chapter in the history of the Arctic and Alaska. Time is running out and soon this chapter will fade away unless we care enough to make a record of it.
0: Oh, that is so sweet.
1: Yeah. Man, imagine if that's your mom. She is a real badass.
0: Yeah, 100% badass mm-hmm. story right there. So when he was talking about her true culture.
1: Oh, or, yeah. What did he He say? said her cultural reawakening.
0: Oh, so when he talked about her cultural re- reawakening, mm-hmm. like when you were telling the story, I was like, yeah, she was raised by missionaries, but she still is who she is. Right. And her blood. Yeah. You know, she is native mm-hmm. to that land. And, you know... Even if she wasn't taught everything, it seems like it came back.
1: Yeah. And, and she probably spent some time, I'm thinking, in the Inuit community. Yes. After she got married and, you know.
0: So she may have learned some, some things. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also maybe her spirit ancestors were looking after right. her.
1: I like to think of that. Yeah. I, I like That's to nice. believe those things. Yeah. I think this is such a wonderful story. And she's she essentially lived the rest of her life still in poverty. Right. And like taking care of her son.
0: I'm sad she was in a nursing home. Yeah. But I guess, you know, maybe that's what she wanted. Right. But and she lived to be really old. Too. 85. I like that she was part of, I guess, you know what? He was part of her story. Yeah, really. So I would say that that jackal was more part of other people's story, mm-hmm. even though he liked to write about it and get all the credit for it. Oh, yeah. They actually made the story. He was just
1: a yeah. player. Yeah. A player. A player. So, Jen, we've come to the end of my story. I loved it. It is time to talk about the emergency preparedness kit. Oh, oh, shoot.
0: I wasn't really thinking. (laughs) I was so like enthralled. Yeah. I was completely into your story that I didn't give it a lot of, like, I wasn't thinking about it along the way. So let me think here for a minute.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I
0: feel like she didn't need anything or anyone. It's the truth. She really did all the things she thrived like I it's hard for me to think of something that she needed Mm -hmm. I'm kind of thinking about the scurvy guy and maybe packing some vitamin C some emergency perhaps (laughs) like those big vitamin C's you know oh yeah you got to chew on yeah or just you know maybe some citrus (laughs) probably wouldn't have lasted long so I'm thinking like you know some portable vitamin C I got you I don't feel like it would have helped him though
1: no but but at least it would be good but for her. But she could have had
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you need some vitamins. Yeah. Right? Just in case. Yeah. Just in case. But just, I mean, she lived to be like 80 some. So I feel like she was just like, I don't need that. Yeah. But you know, just in case. Just in case. Pack some vitamin C. You never you know. You never know. You don't want to get scurvy. No. I. It sounds really awful. Do people some...
1: still get scurvy?
0: I imagine somewhere in the world, people still get scurvy. Oh, God. I mean, who knows?
1: Just people who eat only McDonald's every day. <laughs> they, just, like, they don't get the orange juice in the like morning. That,
0: that that documentary about the guy who just ate McDonald's every day, and it was so gross. Supersize me. Ugh, I watched it. and I yeah. was like, yeah, that was that, that was insane. that really happened. And aside from that, I mean, I feel like the cat was crucial in mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. It's good she had one cat, but right. I mean, what is better than one cat?
1: Four cats.
0: Yeah. <laughs> four. Okay, four cats. I love it. I. You know, they would have kept each other, like, slept all over her. Warmth? Warmth. Yeah, they would have kept her warm. They would have been as annoying as hell. Oh, for sure. Like, just climbing the sides of her tent <laughs> and, like, batting at her while she's trying to sleep. But,
1: I mean, it's entertaining. Yeah. So, I feel like... Well, and they probably would help with trapping. I guess they would probably bring up. I don't well, think they would
0: have helped with the polar bears, but
1: they would have brought her little gifts like little birds,
0: little birds, little stars. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I, you know, I think having the cat was what really got her through it. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I bet you she had cats her whole life.
1: I bet she did, too.
0: Like even in the nursing home, she had a cat. I bet
1: she was an animal lover. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I'm going with some cats, more cats, however like many it. damn cats she needed.
1: Well, I'm I'm partial to four.
0: Well, yes,
1: I have four right now. Currently,
0: <laughs> Yeah, you currently have a lot of cats, but
1: they're so wonderful.
0: I feel. Yeah, I'm going with cats and maybe the vitamin C.
1: I think that's good.
0: And, you know, cats are really good for stress relief.
1: They are. They lower your blood pressure.
0: Yeah. They lay on you and they purr and they're mm-hmm. just awesome companions. Mm-hmm. So there we go. I love it. Throw them in the emergency preparedness (laughs) kit. I'm not going to an Arctic island without four cats.
1: I love everything about that.
0: Okay. Done. Document that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Write it down in your
0: books.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, So did you have anything else?
0: No. uh, Next week I'll be bringing another story that will be very different from last week's true crime and this week's survival
1: sweet sweet. so i'm gonna i'm
0: gonna bring something totally different to the table and listen in to find out what that's gonna be
1: that sounds cool
0: it's a surprise
1: i will be waiting on the edge of my seat right here
0: i'm sure yeah the whole time good don't move with that as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode Mm -hmm. send us your stories We can't wait to share all the Peace Corps stories.
1: Oh, my gosh. They're so good.
0: And make sure to check us on the Twitters.
1: At You're Going to Die 01. Yes. And Instagram at You're Going to Die Out There. And
0: uh, send us an email.
1: Uh, You're Going to Die Out There at gmail.com.
0: And check our website at You're Going to Die Out There dot com. Check us on Apple, Spotify. Pocket Cast.
1: And you can also listen on our website.
0: Yeah, you can go straight to the old website and listen. Mm -hmm. But if you do go to Apple, please subscribe, rate,
1: and review. Yes. Because we love it. All the things.
0: And I guess we'll catch you on the next episode.
1: And remember, don't die out there. Bye. Bye.
0: Yeah, I always, uh, I had a subscription to this magazine called Nature. I had a box of like cards for different animals. Yes. Or no, it was called World.
1: Was it the one that could get like almost like a plastic, con- not container, yeah, but like book like, container? Yes. And it would like, it would like. Put all the cards inside. Yes. Yes.
0: And occasionally we, oh, I would get a yeah. poster. God, what was the name of it? It was either called World or Nature or something like that. Somebody will know that's listening or I'll Google it. So they had Arctic boxes and all kinds of cute stuff. Yes. Okay.
1: He was super into paleo.
0: What? Like, before, like the before, diet?
1: Yes. Before paleo was a thing. Before people were like, I'm on paleo. Did he,
0: did he cross fat? Because <laughs> <laughs> you, if, you <laughs> if you do paleo, you have to cross fat.
1: <laughs> you got to box jump you gotta... <laughs> all day long.
0: You're just jumping on boxes. <laughs> you're repping. You're tearing it up.
1: There, what is it called? Workout of the day? WOD?
0: Yeah, you're doing wads. You're wadding. You're wadding.
1: You're paleo in. <laughs> we just lost all of our CrossFit followers. Whatever. All our right. CrossFit friends, <laughs> I love them. Well, and they're really into it. They are really into it. It's like
0: a cult. And they wear those long socks so they can climb up ropes. Oh
1: my god.